Welcome to Empowered Conversations. I'm your host, Susie Petrozzi. This podcast will take you on a journey of personal growth and self-discovery through conversations with special guests that will inspire you to live the life of your dreams. Get ready now for an Empowered Conversation. Georgia, welcome. Georgia's an artist, teacher. Um, she, she also teaches art therapy, but I'll let you dive more into that. I just want to share with you how I've had the opportunity to meet Georgia, um, to learn so much about her work. And what I find when I speak, when I speak with you, Georgia, it's incredible what opens up for me. I feel that we, I feel that you get where I'm going with, with um, what's inside of me. And you often in our conversations, you help bring that out. And I'm so grateful for that. (laughs) uh, Yeah, no, and I agree. And I think that what it is for me too, it's wonderful to tap into that, that with someone who is actively engaged with a developing understanding of where they're at with their craft you know what I mean? I will hand over to Georgia to talk about her journey and uh, and a little bit about herself. And you, so I'm um, I'm an artist. I'm uh, I have an arts practice. So it took me a really long time to be able to say I'm an artist. I was very self conscious about about that. I don't know why. I think that there's kind of a lot of questions, a lot of stigma. Someone once said to me, "Oh." what kind of art do you make kind of thing. So I think there is stigma around um, being an artist. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has changed. We call what we call now, we call artists, we call them creatives. Do you know what I mean? And that speaks to their field. I like creatives a bit better, but there's a problem with the word creatives in that it implies that people who are not poets and writers and painters and sculptors, that they are somehow not creative, which to me is, is really problematic um, because, because if we were to talk about a definition of creativity, we're not talking about the field or really even the domain. We're talking about a way of thinking, aren't we? So mm-hmm. that's the way I understand creativity. And, and you, I've been mapping that back a little bit because that's one of my research topics and we map it back to the apparently, and I just learned this the other day, the first use of the word creative uh, or creativity, sorry, was in 18, the early 18 somethings. And the first time it started, it was used in education, in educational theory was in 1930, blah, 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 six or something. Mm. And then it just started getting used in the classroom in the 80s with, with kind of um, experiential learning, when experiential learning got big. Because creativity is a really difficult thing to pin down. It's a difficult thing to understand. It's a difficult thing to um, – it, It's they've kind of found it's impossible to measure and I think it's impossible to measure because for me it starts with um, curiosity or passion. Mm. It starts with interest and it starts with passion. And another person imposing a standardised test on, on the way you interact with what you're passionate about is really tricky because that passion and that curiosity changes really quickly and really rapidly. Mm. So curiosity and passion and creativity and, and its interaction with knowledge, I think happens 
you know, people say I don't have a creative bone in my body. Well, I think creativity exists like a central nervous system over the whole of you rather than in your bones or in, it's not in anywhere. It's actually in the way you interact with the world, mm. the way of thinking and it's a way of interacting. So it can happen in any domain. It can happen for, in fact, it does happen with, you know, artists and writers and dancers, but it happens with, and it happens with healers and educators and plumbers and truck drivers and, you know, and it happens anywhere that you interact with your world. And you said that that's within everyone. And as you say that, you know, something in me, like, I experience these shivers because it's like, I guess a part of me is responding to that saying, yes, but a part of me also doesn't, bring that out often enough part of me doesn't connect to that part so well I I you see it's difficult for me it's easy for me and it's difficult for me because because I'm I my domain my field is the creative arts Mm. and my domain is in kind of traditional types of creativity is in interacting with materials that are built for me to tap into my creative flow state Mm. Whereas not everybody is, you know, mm-hmm. but, but for a, what I like to think back to is for a long time, I was a teacher. I was a teacher in a classroom in lots of different capacities for 19 years. Yeah. And for about, I thinking about it, I was thinking about it last night for about five, five to seven of those years, I was good. Mm-hmm. I was really good. I, but I was very lucky in that I was given the opportunity to be good, to really kind of fine tune and then sustain this kind of presence to the kids and be able to facilitate for their creative needs. Um, so I was very lucky in that I got to exercise that. Um, but, but that's where, and, and the whole time I was teaching, I was also exhibiting. Um, and I exhibited, but the, my exhibitions, they were, they were fun. They were great. They were funky. They were things that kept me interested. But really when I think back on it, I was working in a restorative way. I was working in a healing way. Mm-hmm. I was working so that I could rock up to work and be a teacher and really be engaged creatively. Um, so most, a lot of my creativity went into my teaching. That was where mm-hmm. it, I was really on, on the ball and on the money. And the work that I did, the, my, my artistic work that I did was restorative and it helped me come there. Whereas when I finished teaching and left teaching and took off my educator hat, mm. I had the opportunity to um, put on my artist hat and actually work as a personal professional artist mm. and investigate the world that I wanted to um, paint portraits of, aesthetic portraits of. So I was actually able to bring my creative energy to that practice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very different way to work. Do you know what I mean? But it's not less creative. So I, a lot of people say, Jeanette Winterson said, if you get a chance to read this book, this is a, this is a beautiful book. On, and the first, mm-hmm. the first um, little um, piece these are just little journal articles and the first like journal she writes in here she's a writer and she writes about being a writer and experiencing looking at art properly for the first time because she's not really tuned into art she's never really kind of sat with it and she sees a piece in a gallery that just blows her away and she decides she's going to dedicate to figuring out how to look at art and it's it's her 
this woman's a great writer. She kind of writes and thinks at the same time. So you get a very, a really lovely inner working um, thing. So that's a great little one to, to read the first one of. Yeah, so, so I kind of switched hats but didn't switch the way I tuned into the world creatively. And this, this woman kind of, and, and a lot of people who uh, study creativity kind of yell out, you know, Howard Gardner does the same thing. He's, this is a great book on creativity if you've got a chance to have a look at that. And very readable. Mm. It's a huge study that he did. By, it's by Howard Gardner. It's a fantastic read. But these people kind of yell out, being creative is your birthright. It's uh-huh. kind of okay. what you're here for. It's why we're here is to think and to be creative. And Brene Brown says, whatever you, I, I, this is a misquote, but this is how I understand what she's saying. Mm-hmm. What you contribute to your field um, um, that, that exists or um, outlives you is, that you is thereafter you've gone. That will be born of your creativity. You do get locked out of being creative. A lot of people get locked out of being creative. Sometimes all it takes is be, being having to be an adult every day. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. keeping the kitchen clean and, and just everything, you know. Yeah. Um, and, but, but, and that's not even talking about being shamed out of your creativity. Yeah. Very yeah. easy thing to have happen to you. So, and, and I've experienced that firsthand working with with you know, children and little people and people in differing stages of, of you know, well, just different states of life um, and trying to facilitate for their creativity. Mm-hmm. The tiniest thing can, when you're in that creative flow state, the tiniest response you can have a shame response to. Do you know what I mean? And that can really, you, a shame response is, is almost, biolo- it's biological, it's physical. Mm-hmm. It gets you out of that creative flow state because mm-hmm. when you're in a creative flow state, you're in a vulnerable state, you know, not vulnerable. It's not necessarily dangerous, but you need to be able to access all of your brain mm. and your body needs to be free to have an embodied creative experience. So you are in a state where you're accessing your subconscious, you're accessing your memories and your dreams and your fears, and you're also accessing, so your front and left side of your brain needs to access Mm-hmm. And you, your your internal brain needs to access, mm-hmm. and so does your lizard brain. So does your brain stem. So all your central nervous system. And that's why when you have an aesthetic experience, you get goosebumps, right? So everything needs to needs to be free to be activated. And then if somebody kind of comes along and goes, eh, <laughs> you can really kind of have one of those experiences where you go, oh, maybe I'm doing it wrong Mm -hmm. and then that's quite hard to recover from when you're in that flow state yeah yeah Yeah. so yeah that's I I think you're really like it's so beautiful how you've come in and opening up to creativity what is creative state space and and how do you know when you're in it um and I know that myself included in this I'm yearning for it Georgia, I'm really yearning for that. It's not to say I don't give it to myself. I don't give it to myself in maybe in the way that I'm yearning for it, which is perhaps through writing, which is through exploring, painting, drawing, whatever that is. So for someone like me, but also for someone who hasn't even tapped into that because we're in our left brain, we're, sorry, in that, yeah, left brain, we're at work, we're in, behind yeah. the computer. How do we pave way for that? Yeah, it is, it's, it is a tricky one. And like I was saying, it's easier for me because I, um, 
when I was a kid, mm-hmm. I was given free access to express myself and be myself and do what I needed to do and play with art materials. And it was never indicated to me that I was no good at it mm-hmm. or that art was not worth bothering with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also wasn't indicated to me that I was magnificent at it when I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So people had, they were present to me and they had responses that were genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, when it comes to certain types of self-expression, I don't have, I just get in and do. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is something to be said for getting in and doing and, and not, and just starting. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Starting to, this is what I do with, with kids and with my, um, my students when I work with them. I put materials in front of them and there is often hesitancy to begin. And I'm just like, start, just start. Mm-hmm. Don't, and keep it open-ended to begin with mm-hmm. and allow yourself to interact with materials. So allowing yourself to interact with materials is really, really good. Having said that, you do need to be continuously mindful and check in with yourself that you are in that safe space. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So you do want to keep yourself scaffolded and safe with those interactions. Allow yourself to have those interactions. Yeah? What were you say? Yeah, can you elaborate on that when you talk about safe space, um, what you mean by that? Do you mean emotionally strong things come through that? Because that can happen because you you mentioned in somewhere perhaps when you were sharing with me about what you can talk about, liminal space and what can come through liminal space. So can you touch on liminal space and then can you touch on the safety? Okay, so... um I'm just thinking about what context to talk about it in and I might talk about it in my learning space when I'm working with, with pre-service teachers and talking to them about how to set it up with kids. Mm-hmm. So, or I could talk about it from an art therapy. So in, in the learning space, we set up a, a culture around, um, around the way we talk to one another about our work and the way we talk to ourselves about our work. Mm. So we, we, with one another, of course, because I'm talking the, um, a school language, um, I often say, you know, we give build-ups and we give support. If you see, if you are in a, if you, if you see someone in a space where they might need a bit of help, offer help. And if you yourself need a bit of help, you know, and it's just, it is also a sharing space because we talk, we celebrate the differences in one another's works mm. as well as the resonance in one another's works. Mm. And when that happens and you can be in that space, then like you say, you create a, so if it's a teaching space, if you uh, facilitate for a creative experience where kids can um, really start making creative connections, um, you you really only need to have one or two experiences around a particular learning outcome for them to, to remember it and to be mm-hmm. a part of it because it's an experience that they have physically, emotionally and mentally had themselves. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've had that experience. If I write in a black pen on a whiteboard, red plus yellow equals orange, I would have to write it about 75 times for your average person to remember that those two, you know, because there's no, whereas if I get a four sensory seeking kids, get a tiny blob of red and a slightly bigger blob of yellow on their hands, get them to rub it together, have a look at what happens and then print it on a piece of paper and then wash their hands. 
they have an embodied response to that. That has happened to them. Orange happened to them, to their bodies, and they saw it and they felt it and they have senses and a sensory um, memory of that happening. So that can be recalled very, very quickly and easily because it lives inside them. So it is that it is a liminal space in that it, all of our learning spaces are liminal spaces really and they are vulnerable spaces because we bring all of our knowledge in order to synthesise new knowledge into the knowledge we already have. We have to bring it all with us. And like you say, accessing the internal parts of our and accessing the inside of our brain, the hippocampus, you, you're going to have... Um, subconscious you're going to have memories you're going to have things are going to come up that's why that space and the culture around you being creative needs to be secure yeah yeah so would you recommend i mean i would feel personally obviously comfortable exploring this myself for me yeah but i don't so i don't know if i'm right about that (laughs) i like guidance i like that you know i have done um, an art class where I worked on abstract and that was, that was fun, but that was me having to get over a lot of, it's not good enough. Is it, is it perfect? Or whatever those underlying, um, yeah, beliefs are. Um, but would you recommend, suppose as a starting point, just to play and ex- explore individually, would that be, yeah. Absolutely. There's a, there's a, a playing and exploring individually is, fa- is a fantastic way to do it. I I think, especially if you're not putting any pressure on yourself for an outcome, Mm. especially to begin with. Products are great and products are good for you, but products, you get there with products. Um, But also while you're doing it, just remain connected with yourself Mm. um, about what you're doing. Also, if you do go to a class, Mm. choose do you know what I mean? Choose, choose, choose your teachers wisely and understand what kind of mentoring suits you. Mm-hmm. I went to, because you might learn a lot, but you might also never want to revisit that thing again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, it's funny because I, I went to, and I recently went to a, 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 a painting, because I paint a lot. And I went, and it's very personal the way I paint. And I don't paint kind of publicly or, um, and I went to an art class to learn a bit more about colour because my, my colour work is, you know, I, I needed to, I had gaps I needed to fill. And, and the teacher just was a real, real authoritarian font of knowledge, kind of let you know that, you know, I don't even know what you're doing there, she would say to me, and really not present, not kind of, and that doesn't suit me at all. Having said that, I learned a huge amount. I really learned a lot Mm. about specifically what this person believed was the right way to do things. Mm. Um, And then I had to take that and I had to keep reminding myself because the way I paint is very personal and I do it for for intrapersonal reasons as well. I come to it from a very intrapersonal perspective. It's not just that I, I paint to exhibit stuff that I think is technically ready to be exhibited. Mm. I, I exhibit things that are aesthetic experiences of being in, in our place. So they're very personal. So to have someone kind of throw that kind of comment up at me 
you know, I had to understand where she was coming from. And I think certain parts of your development, like you were saying before, you might not be ready for that. And that could really, you could have a shame. I, I had to stop myself having a shame response and I had to remind myself just how much self-esteem I have. Do you know what I mean? But I had to say to myself, no, 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 that's fine. Just, this is good stuff. This is, this person has remarkable talent. She's very, very good at what she does in this very specific way. And this is why I came. So, you know, and paid the money. So you're not always going to get a teacher that, that wants to nurture your holistic self, which Mm. is difficult because I think creativity is a holistic experience. This teacher wanted to talk to me about, so just quickly, when I talk about creativity, I'm talking about this thing that happens inside self, domain and field. Do you know what I mean by that? So, so self, self being me, the artist, domain being visual arts and the techniques and the skills mm-hmm. that I've built mm-hmm. and field being the visual art world, specifically for visual arts. Mm-hmm. Now, my, the way I work, I don't necessarily always paint for that particular da- domain. I work in an educational, in a psychoeducational domain. I work, you know, um, very much with my process work. But sometimes I do work that way. This person was very specifically thinking about how my work would be received in the field of high art. Okay, right. You need to know that going in. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so what you were talking mm-hmm. about, Susie, is you talking about bringing your whole self to a thing yeah. And, yeah. and being introduced to it in a way that, that... And I think, you know, we go back to that, thing we were talking about at the beginning it's the the curiosity and the passion that creativity starts with mm-hmm. and and you, you need to be able to experience the joy before you can really do the grind I think that's my opinion mm-hmm. so the grind is going to happen but the grind is it's almost not even grind if you're focused because you're curious and passionate so I you know i I recently, well, you know, Susie, my little girl wanted to do Bollywood dancing. Yeah. The, the curiosity and the joy there and the way it was delivered and, and, and just brought with the whole force of the culture and the narrative and the, you could almost smell the lemon that she was talking to us about, you know, it was just really, really beautifully done mm-hmm. and a very, very creative, a very creative thing and and then you fine tune and you hone in and you develop the skills and the talents and you you kind of pinpoint the domain you want to work you know your domain and then you pinpoint the field you want to work towards and so I think that it starts with with a spark of create curiosity and passion do you know what I mean and you protect that curiosity and passion that's what you protect to begin with Mm. so it's difficult to know how to talk about practicalities around how to do that yeah to be specific to each different person. Yes, okay, I see. But it's important that you say you protect it. And, and when you say protect it, I guess what comes to mind for me is, well, protect the time around it to be able to have that experience first of all. Protect the space around it. So when am I doing that so that nothing else impinges on that time? Um, that's where I'm coming from, but that's because that they're the first and foremost issues for me that will get in the way of that. So in other words, it's not conscious yet. I haven't made a decision on that yet, that this is what I want to do. The question I wanted to ask you about, um, 
is going back to investigating the world around me. To me, that just, it's like I, I investigate the world inside of me and, of course, around me through journaling. Yes. Um, maybe I journal maybe three times a week. Depends how I'm feeling, right? Yeah. And so, and that, and the way that I journal is I just start. Okay. But if yeah. I wanted to then, and that to me, that makes me so connected, makes me in tune, makes me more insightful, makes me more aware. And so I unpack a lot more knowledge uh-huh. within my own wisdom and I look at the world differently. And, and I suppose that's where I get my. Um, that's how I reinforce my own trust in my journey, I suppose. Yeah, in my own journey. What I want to know is, um, so if I was, as I write that, as I've written that, how could I explore that? And I, I kind of know what you'll say, but let me come out of knowing as well. How can I be investigative about the world given what I've written or maybe I let that go through what the next step would be through visual, visually exploring that because I feel like that's where I want to go. Ah, okay. Okay. Can I go back and say one thing about the protection thing before yes, we go? Yes, please. Yep. And then into, okay, so it, when it comes to protection, absolutely, I think you're absolutely right and I just want to add another thing to it. Mm-hmm. This is what we do with art therapy groups is we mm-hmm. sit, especially if it's group, we get together and we talk about how, how we're going to, what kind of space this is and how we're going to protect it. And we mindfully put that down and we check back in with it. So we talk about mm-hmm. confidentiality. We talk about time. It's the first thing we talk about and we really stick to it because time is a really important thing to stick to um, and, and space and focus. Um, the other thing that we talk about, it's really important to talk about is the kind of language we use towards ourselves and towards other people. So we're very mindful of, of how we use language, that it is inclusive, that it is enabling and, and empowering. And we, you know, we choose what kind of, so you choose what kind of language you want yeah. to use. If you read over your journal, Susie, you would hear your voice, you would hear your narrative, but you would also hear the way you speak to yourself and of mm-hmm. yourself. And that's a really lovely thing to be mindful of. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, journaling is a, an incredibly um I think a um, wonderful way of of leaping into the river that is your consciousness and your ongoing understanding of the world and at, as you leap back out of it again and go and do having a, a souvenir of it that you can mm-hmm. open up and leap back mm-hmm. into. I mean, journaling is is remarkably intelligent way of developing an understanding of your own creative processing. Um, I keep lots of journals and I've found that my journals are often workings if, if I'm talking about um, kind of the cultural professional um, work that I do visually the journaling um, acts as as basic sketching and stuff like that but where the journaling really really comes into it is in um, is in the cognitive and the learning sense so I use my journals um, as notes as university notes and I journal and I journal in words and I journal in, in imagery. Mm. And that's, they're my kind of the duality of the way that I kind of carry my awareness or my Mm. attention or my focus. Uh, What I, what I've started noticing though, is that they also pretty much capture everything. So when things do come up Mm -hmm. that, 
need attention or that need to be put aside so that I can do something else or that it's still intrapersonal work or I need some healing or some recovery or some, you know, Mm. that comes out in the journaling as well. It's very, very evident when I look over it. Um, So so journaling is really very telling. Do you Mm. know what I mean? Um, So it's a lovely way of, of kind of developing an insight into that. The beginning of the year, so this journal lived in bed with me um, while I was healing from sur- quite a bit of surgery. So this has got a really, this is a really nice um, kind of balance of the three different, um, this has got your, your auto drawing, it's got sketching and working out, and it's got notes basically all the way through. Mm. And these auto drawings turned into um, mm. Mm. Um, turned into these circular works that I started working on with you, Susie, and I've set them back. They're going to be going up quite soon. I've set them back into clots. And these works are, are they're professional works. Wow. But they're, um, yeah. so these, these works are going up. What's funny about these works is they're, um, they're, they're professional and polished in their delivery, but in their subject, they're very much about um, the, the ebb and the flow of creative processing and how that can be applied to healing. And they're going up in a healing space, in a healing space. They're going up in a, um, a new um, arts healing space in um, West Ride. I'll definitely shoot you an invite to. It's going mm. to be a beautiful space. Mm. But, uh, What's interesting about that is I have another show on at the same time, a week later in Berry, of, of um, landscapes, basically. And what I've, what I've fallen back on, I'm, I've done a few kind of quite large landscapes, and one of them's behind us that's going to go in there. But what I've fallen back on is I really love painting birds, mm. and I've fallen back on just this really kind of sinking into this painting birds just for the sheer joy of it that will go into the berry show. So there's specifically studies of birds of the area. and But I'm almost doing it, I mean, I'm doing it um, for the sheer joy of it, but I've gotten back into that restorative thing because this is really making me push my understanding of where I'm at with, with understanding creative processing and being able to share it with others, you know, and a lot of ethics around self-care around that. So, yeah, it's a really interesting process at the moment, actually. Mm. And that's come out of your healing journey after the surgery and yeah. journaling and um, seeing painting on basically in your bed. Yes, absolutely. So I could only – I call it – I call it the, um, there's a, a – a, a material ecology about what happened to me when, because I could only, I don't usually use. So what I'm using for this is ink, pencil, salt, um, and watercolor paper. And I'm using it. And, and it's really just having those th- few materials to use has really opened up possibilities for me. Mm. I don't usually like using pencil or, and I started using pencil because I, illustrated the book so I had a set of pencils on hand and I had salt next to the bed because I was eating and I had some ink and some wash and it was all I could reach 
And what I ended up doing was a great deal of this auto, auto drawing, these auto sketches and auto drawings, because I really couldn't think. I wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't really, to be, for me to be fully creatively engaged, I need to be, I need to be interacting with the outside world and I couldn't. I was on endone. I mean, and, um, and, but what, what's come from it is this kind of, um, a narrowing of the materials that I used. Also, because there was so much repetition, you build up an, an expertise. You build up a, a, an implicit awareness of how these materials are going to work. Mm. So by narrowing the materials and giving myself some constraints around that or some, some kind of boundaries and, and protection around that, I wasn't pressuring myself to kind of learn colour or, learn, you know, mm. really get better at doing X, Y and Z. I was just trying to communicate this thing with this and, and enjoy that really embodied materialistic kind of, because when you put salt with, with ink, amazing things happen and they happen accidentally. So tell us about that salt and ink. What? <laughs> oh, I know, right? I know. Well, I just was. So what happens when you mix salt and ink is this kind of accidental, these accidental gatherings and, and tributaries. Oh. And you have to allow for different things to happen at different times. So you can't plan the way you would usually plan. You have to plan as you go, which is a really interesting way of working. And it really talks to me a lot about surrendering, letting all that happen. And like you say, if you're going to work that way, mm -hmm. Susie, you have to feel safe to work that way. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Let a lot of that control go because... Yeah. Wow, okay. It might not work. Do you know what I mean? And that's... And that what you're saying, sorry to interrupt you, you were saying you're vulnerable to being, well, you mentioned it in one of our communications, vulnerable to, um, to failure. Yes, mm. absolutely. And, and vulnerable to, to letting the failure talk to you about what just happened, you mm. know, the, and letting, letting the failure be, you know, so when I say it might not work, that's it working. It's still, how is that working for you? How is that not working? How does that work for you? How can you make that work for you? Do you know what I mean? Yes. What I'm, I do when you, when, you, when you explain it that way. What I'm fascinated by when I'm around you is the dialogue that you engage with, um, with what's around you and within you. You know, it's not just like you see it, you call it in, you invite it, you interact with it, you respond to it. And... I am, I am really um, learning how to do this more so. I'm sharing this in my own work through by inviting different parts of us, parts of us that we've forgotten, parts of us that are angry, parts of us that um, feel anxious and responding to those parts. And to me, you do that on a daily basis in your work and you give it so much like through whether it be by journaling, whether it be by engaging through dialogue writing because you also write a lot or whether it be through your paintings. And I, I feel that we can do that more, um, acknowledge different parts of us, whether they be within or also reflected in the outside world, that we can, well, when we acknowledge those parts, we feel more whole. Absolutely. Uh, abs I don't think I would survive unless I could call out what was happening to me and certainly my relationships couldn't survive. Mm. And, and I'm so, um, um, the way my, my joy in my life and, and my, um, many of my successes kind of are, are um, alive through my relationships. So, so it's, it's, 
I'm, I'm responsible for calling out what's happening to me. Do you know what I mean? And I'm sorry, keep going. No, no, no. I, I actually think that's, it's really important for me to do that because then when I do that, um, I, I therefore, so I can say to myself, okay, for example, and I'll give you a personal example. It's very personal. I was just going to ask you for that. <laughs> so thank you. I, I went to the doctor this morning and I got, um, you know, I've had an ongoing thing. I've had all this, this, this year has been amazing, right? So I've had these surgeries. I've had two big surgeries on my leg. Mm-hmm. I've had this, I've had a melanoma and I've just gone back to the doctor and he said, yes, that's another one. We've got to cut it out. And that was this morning. Wow. So I've kind of, and everyone in my house is sick and these things happen. Mm. One of the things that I allow myself to do, <clears throat> and I'm good at this, mm. is I allow myself to drop the balls every now and then, not all the balls and not completely drop them, but I allow them, and we were talking about this before, Suze, I allow them to, um, I don't drop the balls, but what I do, in my understanding of my creative flow is when you mm. hear the word flow, you think of a consistent flow and that's, just not the way I think anything works. So mm-hmm. there are different st- stages. I hate the word stages too, but there's different. It's not quite right, but there's different. So there's there's the incubation thing, and we, Vygotsky talks about this. There's a zone of proximal development. So we get we we're here, we're here, we've mm-hmm. got this knowledge, we're getting quite good at it, and then things change, mm. and we have to do the next thing. With all the knowledge that we have, there's this zone of proximal development that we have to then get to. There's, there's ebb and there's flow within the flow state. And I think that I could talk so much about that, but I think that to, just to talk to, back to what, you, what we're talking about, in order to creatively engage sometimes, mm. for me, means not engaging Okay. Yeah. To do it ethically sometimes means not to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that and what I do is I still count that. That counts. Mm-hmm. I'm still creatively engaged, but today I can't, I'm, I have to do this. And mm-hmm. I consider myself still active, you know. I haven't stopped, but mm-hmm. this is what it needs right now. So, so there are times, and don't get me wrong, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at that. Um, I get very frustrated with myself. I get very kind of, I have to tell myself to sit with not knowing things. Yeah. Especially at the beginning of my learning when I'm just starting to kind of make the connections and I've had, you know, I've had teachers and mentors and, and, um, and lecturers say to me, just need to slow that thinking down or sit without knowing you will, you'll get there, but you just, you know, acknowledge that, And you know that when, well, I know that when I teach little people is I'll sometimes, I got to the point where I was reading the same story in different ways, if it worked and if they liked it every day for a week. And then I, or I'd read it for the first day, just let them sleep on it, not talk about it. And then I'd kind of start talking in the morning about things or playing about other things. If I saw it was relevant, then I'd read it in a different way and I'd ask open-ended questions and let them Mm -hmm. sleep on it. So we would get there and, you know, we take the temperature of, of what's going on in the class. But, yeah, I think that there's a lot to be said for acknowledging where you're at. And once you do that, it's not your fault anymore. You don't have to carry it and it doesn't have to stop mm-hmm. you. It's out. It's there. Do you know what I mean? And so, so, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, thank you for... Thank you for, like, I know that you brought that out in that conversation when George and I have the most 
you know, profound conversation. Well, to me, they're the most profound in the school year. <laughs> and we're like, it's like we're in the zone. It's like, really, we, we could have been, you know, in a, on another planet and not really there. That's what it feels like. I love those because I, I take away so much. And the insight that I had, because that's something that I was experiencing is, and when you said it, you put words to what I often feel, but I don't often put words to it because I don't know what's on the tip of my nose, is you saying, well, being, so you said it to, to, to you know, in the words like being in creative flow, for example, for me today is not being, not doing anything. And that that's flow on the one hand, I suppose. So flow is always flow. If I'm right in interpreting this flow is always flow to the degree that we're really in tune with what we're experiencing and, and then honoring that and being responsive to that. Yeah. If it means not stop. Yeah. And it, I mean, I guess if you're analytically and pictorially minded, what you would see would be, this is your creative flow mm-hmm. and it's changing constantly. Mm-hmm. And it's, ebbing and it's flowing and it's interacting with the outside world and this is your awareness of your creative flow and it's also changing and it changes with your creative flow but it's also influenced by your creative flow Mm -hmm. you can use this to tell this or to tell yourself when to apply this which would be the most beneficial ways to apply it as long as you're not imposing this on this as long as this also is in tune with that and the, and the rest of the world. But this is a powerful tool, this awareness of your creative state mm. and your creative flow because it's the Deleuzian thing. The new materialists have taken hold of this and gone, you know, we are, you know, it's not just politics and gender and, you know, and the big institutions and the way that this society works that dictates who we are and how we, you know, the performative aspects of ourselves. It's also the objects around us. It's Mm -hmm. everything, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and, and what I would then go on and say is, well, creativity is performative as well. So every time we, we enact a creative function, we create the way we enact it. You know, we are, our awareness of being creative makes our creativity performative, which is powerful. It's a, it makes us a very powerful tool for social change, for, but just for where and how we put our creative energies. Mm-hmm. And, if that, and that needs to first be in service to ourselves. Yeah. This is something I'm still practicing and still learning because I still burn out. I still say yes to far too many things. I still, you know, don't know where to put my energies a lot of the time. But it's we're all learning, aren't we? I mean, yeah, yeah. And and I love that ongoing on, ongoing journey of learning. I love that there's more to learn and that I'm always learning. And the more that I surrender to not knowing, which at times is hard because that's just the ego. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, but yeah, and the, I mean, we have to we protect ourselves, and we. Yeah. I mean, we're we're in a position too. I'm in a position where I have to send out, out you know, artist statements where I call myself out in the third person, and you know, mm. that person who has to be bold enough to do that mm. also mm. has to be bold enough to go. On. <laughs> you know? yeah. so, I mean, and also you've got to balance that. You need to be bold enough to stand up and try a new thing, stand up and grab the clay and start squeezing it. Mm-hmm. You have to be bold enough to jump in and, and be vulnerable and make the art. But then you also have to be, I guess, you know, temper that with listening to yourself deeply, doing, doing yeah. some deep listening. So, so, yeah, it's, 
We're delicate flowers, aren't we? <laughs> we are. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I'm going to be processing a lot because a lot of things land for me afterwards. Um, it's just how it works. Um, I, you touched on creative energy. And so for those who are not and maybe not interested or don't want to or don't feel called in that way to explore their creative energy through, um, through paints, colours, sketching, what would you say to them in terms of how to harness and nurture that creative energy? Well, I mean, I don't, like you say, it's difficult for me because I'm so, I, I just, that's, that's where my medium is. That's my, my domain mm. lies. But um, I think that there's always something to be said for practising the here and now yeah. and for getting yourself into um, nature and seeing new things. See, by the, they say that by the time we're two, we mm. besides outer space imagery and, and macro imagery and deep sea imagery, we've pretty much seen one of everything that we're going to see. That's why you've got this, before they're, before they're two human beings have just got this look like, wow, you know, like a pencil. You know, a bus goes by and they just go, whoa, you know. <laughs> by, you, by the time you're two, you've seen everything. So yeah. do something that you haven't done before. Mm. Go scuba diving. Whoa, that blew my mind, really. And it puts you back in that learning state where you, you naturally go into that childlike learning state where their learning curve is straight up in the air every day, mm. receiving new things. And as adults, I mean, I didn't learn to drive until I, – I didn't learn to drive – for a really long time mm -hmm. and I struggled learning how to drive because I was learning something completely new as an adult. Mm -hmm. It was hard because mm -hmm. we, get, we become so crunchy and set. Well, I keep saying we, I do apologise. I am only speak, can only speak from myself. But I get so crunchy about, you know, things. So doing things differently, I think, mm -hmm. and, and having, having open-ended experiences in nature. Mm -hmm. does it for me. really does it for me yeah. you know so that gets me back in tune with having to interact with the world in a, in a divergent thinking kind of a way mm -hmm. and and divergent thinking being what Guilford termed creative thought so Guilford Guilford was um oh a psychometrician who who using the using the framework of um of like um, intelligence tests attempted to test for creativity, which is a bold and exciting and mm -hmm. bad thing to do. What a divergent thinker and came up with a whole lot of stuff about creativity. This was in the sixties and she came out with creativity. So creative, she put together these creativity tests, which is mad, wonderful, wonderful thing to do. And she said they work. So people who score, you know, here, on the creativity test, do so consistently. Mm -hmm. They are also not valid as tests mm -hmm. because creativity doesn't exist as this one plane. It actually exists yeah. all yes. through us. And no person, like I was saying right at the beginning, no person can create a test for another person that is at the tip of their curiosity mm -hmm. and passion that actually mm -hmm. reaches them. I, they did a whole lot of creativity tests with me when I was a kid because I was kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. And all these creativity tests came back with, oh, yeah, she scores all right. Really, 
I was so uninterested in these tests. The only thing I was interested in was pleasing the tester, the adjudicator, which put a huge amount of pressure on me. And they'd give me this test that said, join these nine, nine dots with, a straight, with two straight lines. And I was... I didn't, want to, I didn't want to do that. I was utterly uninterested in joining nine dots with two straight lines. So it was never going to work, you know. Mm-hmm. So what I would say to people who, who don't necessarily um, resonate with any of the kind of traditional creatives um, fields or whatever, um, I'd say do find that curiosity and that creativity and put yourself in situations where you think divergently. Mm-hmm. So, so whether or not that's scuba diving or hiking or like, all of these things, though, do sound a little, a little bit elitist in that these days it seems that you need to be able to afford a holiday to get into nature. Yeah, which right. is, Yeah. Um, I find a way to do it that is authentic to your lifestyle. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and find that, that, that point of creativity where you're at right now. Where are you at? Because a lot of the time, too, as adults, we're caring for others, we're conscious of others, and we're conscious of our field or our, deva- our domain if we're professionals. So we're constantly thinking about that. We're not mm. thinking about what really sparks us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Find your bliss, Susie. Find your bliss. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well... I mean, it's, it's, it is my intention to connect with that on a deeper level and the way that I always talk about this because this is something I learned is that one, you put in the calendar, even if it has to be that left brain, you start by putting in that calendar, you know, um, block out that time, um, creative space, whatever it is. Um, but going back to what you were saying um any other i'm just aware of the time as well georgia any other kind of tips or anything you want to share around how to continue to nurture that creative flow and how to stay with it and even if you know obviously relating to what you know and where you come from and and the traditional arts kind of um background well, I mean, people do um, little things that don't demand too much of them and they do it every day. Mm. Uh, Jung, Jung used to wake up and he was not an artist, uh, never an artist, but he got up and he did mandala sketches and he did one every morning to get into, in just, to, just to get into that state. And the thing about getting into that state is, you, it is it's not some magical, mystical thing. Creativity, you can't demystify creativity. It's, it's pretty amazing and it kind of exists everywhere and all over you and all that. But you can, it is a muscle, I think. Being creative is a muscle that you can train and you can get good at. And so it takes less to get into that state. It's very like kind of meditation, which I, I find meditation uh, very confronting. That's just my personal psyche. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can jump into a creative flow state doesn't matter what's around me. doesn't matter what's going on. Yeah. I can kind of just get in there. Just, but only that's practice. That's all that is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that, that it's very personal to yourself. Um, I don't have kind of hard practical things. But what I would say is that find the little thing that works for you and work it. Okay. And, and, and there's a way of being mindful about the other things that you do in your life too. So, I mean, I turn little things that make you anxious that you're aware of, but it's habitual. Slow, do little things that slowly turn them towards your, your, um, your favor. 
Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. if you usually have, you know, a glass of bourbon to go to sleep at night, instead have a bath and, a, you know, a half a glass of, of, of sparkling wine instead and really luxuriate in that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, I, used to, I used to be up at night on the internet a lot with insomnia and I would turn that to, I, I would turn that to, um, to doing research about specific ways to meditate. Now that's, I've still got a flashing light in my face, but I'm turning it slowly toward and I'm reprogramming my brain about what I want. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I used through all throughout school. I was, I was, you know, I had a, a really mad lifestyle, but I used to walk. I walked a lot. Walking was fantastic and it can be very meditative. So find what it is. Mm. and restore yourselves in that in those ways and i say to my pre-service teachers do whatever it is that you need to do but and don't and do it unapologetically don't explain it to anyone all week you're going to be explaining everything to everyone Mm. because a multitasking care um you'll have your hat on your caring for hat and then when the weekend comes you don't have to explain that to anyone anyone that knows anything about teachers values you and if you need to you know eat chili noodles and watch horror movies all day in order to restore yourself, do it. If you need to cook for your family, if you need to garden, if you need to sit in the shower and cry, that's fine. As long as you're not crying when you get out of the shower, then, you know, you're you, as long as you're doing your thing. I don't know if that answers your question. Absolutely. Of course it does, Georgia. It's, um, it's been, you know, for me, this has been like really immersing in the, in the bubbles of what's possible through that, through um, opening up space for creativity one by inviting you to share this with us um, from your own creative space and, and journey that you've been on thus far um, I, I'm excited actually it's almost like I've needed this conversation with you to be able to do that and, and the reason it's, it's going to be important to me is that I'm going to dive so much deeper and be able to then um, enrich my work with others um, but just to leave us on a note, why do you think that this is important to do? Like from what you've seen, what you've seen through yourself, through your own journey, when you're engaged, when you respond to this, um, to your own creative, I suppose, um, calling <laughs> or, or curiosity and passion, what happens? What's possible? What, what do you see? Well, I, I uh, see it's difficult for me, but I actually think that it's the reason that we're here. So I actually think that it, the work, the work in itself is valid, but it also places me in a, a space where I'm interacting with the world in a fully integrated way. So, mm-hmm. so there's, there's a, there's a, a cultural sense in which I'm interacting with the world. I'm also learning how to interact with the world further and bringing the world in. So it's a praxis, but I, and I'm also seeing to myself at the same time. So creativity can do those three things, the cognitive thing, the cultural interpersonal thing and the intrapersonal thing. When you, when you have a creative practice in your life, um, you, you can kind of really beautifully just interact with and, and, and kind of, um, be in touch with those three things and, and they can kind of integrate really beautifully. And like you say, it puts you in that, um, that if you can, if you can create safety around that, it can, you can, um, authentically interact with your world. And you were saying before, you know, bring, being able to account for the things that are happening around you and, mm-hmm. and call them out. Um, and, and it, it validates the things that are there. 
it validates the people around you and it validates your own needs. And I think that it's just an integ- having a creative practice and a, a sustainable creative practice in your life um, <clears throat> validates you and validates others and keeps things moving in an authentic manner. It, yeah. keeps, it keeps you kind of connected to the world in an authentic way. If you can do that mindfully and, and sustainably, which means staying in contact with your creative process and yourself and what's coming up mm. and being able to, you know, um, like you say, acknowledge when it's, when it's ebbing, when it's flowing and, and then you can apply it when it's time and when you're ready. Yeah. So it's like um, living your fullest, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is, Georgia. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Georgia. Thank you for well, the work that you do. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's a privilege to, um, be a part of a conversation with you always and to share to share your insights and that creative process it's inspiring it really is thanks for joining me today on empowered conversations subscribe to the show now and then head over to my facebook page Susie petrozzi for free personal growth and self-discovery tools that you can use today to be present be powerful and be on purpose see you next time for empowered conversations